Christian Parenting. Hey, Legacy Dads listeners. It is hard to believe, but fall will be here before we know it. As you start to think about back to school, I want to encourage you to think about how you can be praying for your kids this school year. We are parenting in a world that feels unsteady and confusing, and our kids face issues that we never even thought of when we were growing up. While our ever-changing world wants to mark our kids' childhood with these things, God wants to mark them with a faith that transforms their lives from the inside out. Whether you're feeling excited or anxious about the upcoming school year, what it has in store for your kids, we have a resource that will guide you through all the highs and lows of the year. The Christian Parenting 2023-2024 Prayer Journal is now available. Marked by Prayer is a prayer journal from Christian Parenting that was created just for you. This journal will guide you in praying for your kids every week of the school year. Each week presents a new topic to journal and pray about. Topics include generosity, self-discipline, salvation, godly friendships, and more. So join us as we pray that our kids would be marked by God. Visit cpgive.org to request your school year prayer journal marked by prayer. Again, that's cpgive.org to request that marked by prayer journal today. And now, on to the podcast. Are you struggling to balance your modern life and your faith? You're in the right place. Welcome to the Legacy Dads Podcast with Dave and Dante, offering biblical-based wisdom and that weekly dose of what truly works in men's lives. The Legacy Dads Podcast, real men, authentic faith. Here are your hosts of the Legacy Dads Podcast. They're authentic, transparent, and not always politically correct. Dave and Dante. Hey everyone, this is Dante from Legacy Dads, my partner Dave. Dave, my brother, how are you? I'm good, man. We got the uh, we got the kids back from camp last week. In, uh, in in other news around here, in the past 13 days, I've spent about fifteen hundred dollars on seven new tires. Uh, you know, Ooh, for all of gotta love that time of the year. Yeah, Dude, love it. <laughs> it was just like one after another, man. I was just like, you gotta be kidding me. Um, but anyway, life is good, man. We're, we're doing okay. We're chugging along. We're getting ready, looking forward to uh vacation with the family at the end of the month. And then, um, yeah. And then we'll be into August and who knows what will happen after that. So what about you? What's going on with you? What's Legacy up? dads takes a vacation. Holy yeah. cow. I like it. No, yeah. we're, we're going away this weekend after Michigan and then, uh, we're taking our family vacation, I think right after you, we'll be gone the last weekend of July, first weekend of August. We go up to Michigan as well. I don't think we have anything else planned only because we've got college students getting ready to go back and all that. Normally, we do do one week up in Michigan and we pick another destination. But just kind of taking it easy, getting everything ready, getting things packed, you know, shopping for what to take to college, what to not, you know, and stuff like that. Graduation parties up the wazoo. I, I tell you, I, I think I've, I've been to more parties in the last three weeks than I have, you know, the year when Kate and I got married. We went to eight weddings. I've been to more graduation parties than that. But whoo-wee, I'm going to need a break this weekend just to recover, my friend. Uh, with that, let's get a little business out of the way. Uh, this podcast is for uh, men husbands and fathers in all stages of life where we promote and advocate proven biblical principles for leaving a lasting legacy. So Dave, you sent me an article, you know, maybe you can kind of tee up our listeners here on a Pew Research and talk a little bit about it and we can kind of just see where this conversation goes. Yeah, absolutely. 
So this is from uh, Pew Research. It came out on June 28th, 2023. And the headline is a record high share of 40 year olds in the United States have never been married. And I'm just going to read a, read a little bit of it. As of 2021, 25% of 40 year olds in the United States had never been married. This was a significant increase from 20% in 2010, according to a new Pew Research Center analysis of Census Bureau data. Marriage has long been a central institution in the lives of, the Ameri- of Americans. In 1980, just 6% of 40 year olds had never been married. But people born from the 1960s onward have been increasingly delaying marriage and a growing share are foregoing it all together. And this 2021 data marks a new milestone in that decades long trend. While many unmarried 40 year olds are not living with a romantic partner, a correction. While many, many unmarried 40 year olds are living with a romantic partner, most are not. In 2022, 22% of never married adults ages 40 to 44 were cohabitating. And and the article goes on, but I'll tell you what, man, this is not the first time I've seen this. There was another, another article that I saw back in, I believe February, yeah, February. And this is on axios.com. Americans are increasingly foregoing or delaying marriage, a dramatic shift from societal norms a generation ago. We've seen, uh, according to this article, over the last 50 years, the marriage rate in the United States has dropped by nearly 60%. Now, they look to taxes and some other legal structures giving advantage to married couples, but the formal benefits of marriage are diminishing, said Andrew Cherlin, a sociologist at Johns Hopkins. And so, so the pressure to marry, to marry has eroded dramatically. So look, I, I look at something like this and I say, well, okay, as a, as a legacy dad, you know, I, I've been focused for the, for the past several weeks on legacy and, and, and trying to kind of peel back what the, what God's word says about that and what God's design is for that. And when you see statistics like 22% of uh, 40 to 44 year olds are cohabitating you know, not, not in the covenant of marriage. And when you see this decline in marriage and and you see what is happening, it's disturbing because this is what, this is kind of the, I don't want to say it's like the foundation, but when you look at some of the, like the root problems that we see, when you lose the ability to commit yourself to another person and, and, and just kind of have that sort of construct in your life and that sort of stability, man, there are all kinds of things that can just, that can, you're going to start chasing after all of the other things. And so it's just a life of constant pursuit. You're chasing after all of these different idols that you're never going to get your hands on. And it just, it, the problem compounds. And so I just, you know, I figured, Hey, you know what, let's, let's talk about this from a, from a legacy dad's perspective. Of course, you know, you and I are both married uh, we have made that decision to be in, in covenant marriage. Um, and you know, you and I both, I think can firmly stand on, you know, the, the, the verse that is, you know, what God has joined together, let no man separate. Um, marriage is marriage for us. And so of course we have a little bit of a skewed view, but I'm curious as to kind of what your thoughts are on this article and, and maybe how we can encourage men and younger generations or our kids to look at this and say, look, marriage is actually a good thing for you. Yeah. Let, let's, let's put a couple things in perspective here. I'm going to give you one other statistic. Uh, in 2019, only 51% of 30 year olds in the U S had been married compared to 1962 when 90% of 30 year olds had been married at least once. 
Okay, and then also we have that statistic. Let me throw something else at you. Prior to the passage of the Ta uh, Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017, some newly married couples received an unpleasant surprise at tax time. Spouses who earned similar amounts of money, especially those considered high earners, often found themselves subject to a marriage tax penalty. The marriage tax penalty means that it, when you've been married, uh, you lose some of the tax benefits you've had if you were single according to one a director of accounting at a, a accounting firm in New England, specifically the pre-2018 tax brackets, meaning that spouses were offering a higher tax bracket than if they were single with the same income. So you you look at like where society is evolving. Let, let's just take a look at it right now. And just everything that we're seeing, we've talked about movies, we've talked about the enemy, we've talked about gender you know, uh, fluency and gender confusion. And then you look at sexual immorality, porneo, pornography, all of these things that are literally at our hand, the social experiment of these smartphone devices and everything else like that. You know, you, you sit down with my son and you talk about uh, masculinity and you talk about um, just, uh, you know, the whole thing about what is lacking in males today, testosterone levels, everything being down. And you, you have to sit there and say, okay, is there something a little bit more nefarious? Well, let's just look at things just from an 800 foot you know, view of what's around us. First of all, we do have an enemy that is alive and well, who is opposed to God's will, okay? And so if we look at that in Genesis 9, 7, uh, we read that it says, now be fruitful and multiply and repopulate the earth, a command given to man early on. Okay, and then Paul also says, um, not throwing any punches. Um, he says um, to the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. And that's found in 1 Corinthians 7, 8, and 9. So a couple things going on here. We can take it from a spiritual sense or we can just take it from a common sense approach. Let's start out with a common sense approach, Dave. Common sense approach is I have everything at my will and my disposal and my needs. Why would I have to su subject myself to being one flesh with somebody else? God designed man and woman to be married, to be married in one flesh when they're married under the covenant of, of a covenant to God, and thereby which then I have to lay myself down and live for my wife, my spouse, and I have to model what God calls me to be in a pure, protective, loving, and secure way that I do for the family, okay? So everything that I just mentioned right there, we have an enemy that wants to destroy that, period. Okay, so let's just, let's not get deep into the rough here. Let's just take it from a cosmetic standpoint. When we look at these two Bible verses that I referenced, we look at what God's plan and his design is for marriage, and we look at everything else that we're doing, the problem is that first and foremost, I believe we have the small g God of self to contend with. What say you on that? Yeah, I think you're totally right. Um, there's no doubt in my mind that uh, we are focused on self. Uh, when you when you look at the statistics of you know, what's the common statistic for divorce, right? It's roughly 50%. It, it might be around 30 to 40%, depending on who you talk to, um, you know, for marriages. And so 
Are there biblical reasons for divorce? Absolutely. But there are also biblical reasons to not get divorced. And I think that has kind of become the easy button because people are just like, no, 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 no. I'm in it for me. And and they're worshiping self. Like, what can I do to protect me? What can I do to advance me? What can I do for me in order to come out of this looking better, whatever the situation might be? And so, you know, when you, when you look at that, that's certainly one thing that we have to contend with. And so when you when you look at that, Dante, I, I, I would contend that the the term husband and wife is is becoming more and more quote unquote old fashioned and out of touch. I mean you, you literally have state laws in California that took out husband and wife out of state law, and now it just says spouses. And I would I would assume that is that is fairly common among a bunch of other states as well, but I know that has happened for a fact in California. We already talked about, you know, men and women are waiting longer, if at all, to get married. There's no doubt that the enemy is looking at this as a way to say, okay, you want to leave a legacy? I'm going to try and tear this apart and I'm going to make you focus on yourself because you feel like you have something to gain out of this marriage and you're not getting that. Well, you need to go doing something about it yourself. And so the enemy, you know, he, Satan is, he's trying to get God out of the equation by attacking marriage, by attacking families, by attacking kids, and we and we can get through all of that. But yeah, it's it's a it's a tough subject to to kind of look through and, and try to examine. But when you look at the statistics, there is no doubt in my mind that we have got to do a better job as the church, a big C church, not as your local church, but as a big C church of protecting marriage and saying, look, this is something that we need to advocate for. And we need to get right. God designed marriage. It is like, if we don't recognize God as the designer, look, if you're trying to build some Legos, somebody designed that Lego set and there are very specific instructions in order to make the thing that that Lego set is supposed to be. I've got probably thousands of Legos downstairs. The more that you tinker with the little sets, the less like the original design that that thing that you're making is going to be. And I think when you look at marriage in the same sort of lens, God designed marriage when he made Adam and Eve before the fall. There was male and female before the fall. And he said, be fruitful and multiply. I think it's Genesis 2.15. That was like the, the perfect design to go and to subdue the earth in the, in the covenant of marriage between these two, between Adam and Eve. But if you look at what has happened, Dante, and how twisted we have tried to make marriage by taking away husband and wife, by calling these things civil unions, by looking at all these, the further away from the design that we are getting. And I, I would say that as a big C church and as Christians and as dads who need to be willing to stand in the gap and protect our kids from the outrageous attacks that we are facing from the enemy, we need to go back and we need to say, here's the definition of marriage and we need to defend it. Mm. I, and I know you're a huge advocate for it and I appreciate you for that. I've seen you on social media as well. Um, Psalms 127.4, uh, Dave says this, like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Okay, so if we look at the metaphor of our children are like arrows sent out into a broken world that you know Jesus Christ has bound the strong man um, on his death and resurrection and sitting at the right hand of God right now, making the world his footstool. Uh, Jesus 
owns it all now. He is the Lord of Lords, Kings of Kings. He fulfilled every prophecy. He is the new covenant. So as we as Christians, he, he calls us to be these men of God, you know, to stand firm, do not fear. You know, and the other thing too is we talk about the last three years from 20 to 23, the pandemic and just the, the lockdowns and the social experiments or whatever else you want to call that of control of the enemy. People are, 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 are still going through what we we'll call PTSD in the sense of loneliness and the sense of God built us for community. And, and listener, I want you to hear this. So if you're a 20-something, you're a 30-something, you're a 40-something, 50, and your desire is to be married and, and to be happily married, um, I want you to do do us a favor first. Choose joy. And, and, and choosing joy is finding your relationship with God, um, going vertical with the things that you need to own up to. If your phone is taking you to places that you should not be in purity, confess it, kill it. Ask God to take that desire away from you and to bring you a desire to have a wife in a biblical sense of marriage, one covenant, uh, one you know, man, one woman under the cover of the marriage, and to be fruitful. And if that is your desire, you know, share that with God. Open up about it. If it if it's wounding you because everybody else around you is married, or if you're divorced and your desire is to be married, look, we, we all have missteps. We all are jerks in a journey. But I want you to commit yourself to the Lord about taking your relationship with him right and taking that seriousness that we serve and we worship a holy God and thereby which we're called to be holy. So in and of that by itself is let's start there. Secondly, Dave, as we look, let's go a little bit deeper into the rough here. We do have an enemy. We do have an enemy that wants to destroy God's plan. You know, we talk about the movie Nefarious. Uh, remember the demon was talking to the psychiatrist. And once that man came on stage in God's creation, they forever became the demons, the fallen angels enemy to destroy everything that God had intended from life to marriage to covenant. So when we look at, you know, things in the land, you know, typically we hear often sometimes mentioned in undertones or um, different things, the spirit of Jezebel before we see the fall of civilizations. Okay, so let's do a little talk on that. Uh, Jezebel surrounded herself by male eunuchs when she was arrested and killed. We read that in 2 Kings 9. What happens when you have that Jezebel spirit? It castrates the men. It literally castrates the men. And so maybe we're not talking about an actual physical castration, but if you've not been aware over the last three years of what's going on in our society, evil is prevalent. And yes, we've seen evil before, and we've seen many antichrists. But I can tell you, in the land that you and I live in today, breathe and worship, we can see that there is an air of gender indifference. There is confusion. There is a, a an attack outright on men and masculinity because the enemy wants to defeat any man of God and have him be silenced. And if he can't silence him, to have him destroyed. And so spiritually, we have to guard ourselves. We have to arm ourselves with the armor of God. We read that in Ephesians 6. And we have to ask legitimate, critical thought, biblical lens questions and saying, is there a spirit in the world that we know today, and not just U.S.-based, Europe, everything else like that, 
where we see lower testosterone levels. We see everything else going on and men are afraid to stand up. I mean, a simple, you know, from your urology times from 1999, Dave, to 2016, testosterone, testosterone levels have declined in adolescent and young men, uh, young adult men, according to results presented to the 2020 Amer American Urological Association and Virtual Experience. And so if you look at that, you know, and it talks about, you know, different things, and I'm not going to get into the water levels and what's in the water levels, and we can go down a big rabbit hole here. I don't want to diverse, and I want to stay on the focus of what we're at. So we have a physical, we have a spiritual, and we have a mental aspect of what we're talking about today. And so all of these things are, let's get ourselves grounded in the Word of God. Let's get ourselves into saying, what is God's plan? Okay, so if 40, 50, if you, year old, 30 year old, if you have a desire to say that I, I don't want to be married, I want to be single. So let's go back to Paul's definition. Are you able to stay pure and not have any drives that have you cause sin against the Holy of Holies and God? And if you can sit there and say with both hands uncrossed and not crossing your fingers and say, yes, I live a pure life, God bless you. But as Paul says, if you cannot, and you're giving into the ways of this world and you're getting into sexual immorality and sexual immorality will define as anything outside of the covenant of marriage between one man and one woman. You need to rethink your position and you need to center it on what God's plan is. God's plan is he created man. He created woman. He created them to be fruitful and to multiply and become one flesh under the covenant to him. And so if you can remain single and remain pure in singleness, God bless you. I, I'm, I, I tip my hat to you and say, I, I just can't wait to see what God's going to do with you. But if you're in one of these people like me and a jerk in a journey, and you know that you have drives and you know that you, we need to rethink that. And I've been married now, Dave, going on 22 years this November. And I can tell you, you know, as, as Kate and I are, are growing and we're getting older, the more I come to appreciate her as a friend, the more I look at her, the, the more beautiful she gets every year. And, you know, it's not like when we first start dating and it's not that passion and, oh, I can't wait to call her. But it's a deeper, it's a richer, it's a bountiful friendship that just sees the product of kids. And I can't wait till grandkids come through. And there's so much joy filled in the idea of God's plan, the, the legacy of, of family, the legacy of relationships, the legacy of comforting and encouraging and especially you know over over my family over the last three four years is carrying each other's burdens you know through sickness through health through all these different things i would sure hate to be trying to do some of the things that i've had on my own or my wife has had on her own or our kids without the gift of family and so all of these i, I i'm in a long tirade here right now dave but i want to take it back to you and just say you know focusing on the things first and foremost listeners What's your heart's desire? Are, are you single deliberately to be pure and, and to have a covenant with Jesus Christ and to sit there and say, I'm going to take purity serious. I'm going to take a stewardship of my time, talent, and treasure. I'm going to be God's disciple and everywhere I go on mission or my community or my work, more power to you, to God be the glory. But if your desire is let, let's clean house first, are you pure? Or you have things that you need to confess and say, I need to just take these idols of lust, of pornography, of improper friendships and everything else like that. And I need to confess it and put it to death. And I need to be that husband that a wife would want 
I need to be that wife that a husband would want. And so am I that, am I that person that God calls me to be, to have that spouse? What say you, Dave? Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. And I'm going to, I'm going to highlight a couple of points. Um, so first of all, you talk about, uh, Psalm 127. So I'm going to go, I'm going to circle back on that because I think that's important. When you look at Psalm 127, it's very important to kind of understand like, Hey, what is, what is this? So Psalm 127 is a song of a sense of Solomon. And so when you, when you think about what Solomon is saying, when you, there's, there's some debate as to if it was to Solomon from David or if it's written by Solomon. But when you look at some of the language that is used, uh, it is very similar to some of the things that he wrote in Ecclesiastes. Um, and so it is attributed to him. But when you, when you, when you mention that verse, like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth, you see two illustrations. You see children being depicted as arrows, uh, which means they have been crafted. Like there is a purpose behind them and they have different parts and pieces that make them who they are. They, the, like the wooden shaft is their identity. It defines who they are. Um, the feathers are like their character and it, it's what keeps them on target. It's what keeps them, uh, you know, flying towards the bullseye where they're supposed to go. And the arrowhead, of course, is, is what does the work, right? If you replace that with a little marshmallow, that's not going to do anything. Um, but then you also have the warrior. And when you think about a warrior, a warrior is trained in skills and they know when to use them appropriately based on the time, based on the situation, based on the threat, based off of everything that is going on around them. And so you see this, these two illustrations that are going on. But when you apply this into a, uh, the context of the time when the Psalm was written, the, the primary focus of having children in one's youth, as Solomon writes, is so that in the next verse, like, um, sorry. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They shall not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. And so what, what, what the Psalm is saying here is when you have these kids in the covenant of marriage, the debates and everything that you would have at the gate or in court or whatever it might be, the kids are going to help you as an older, as an older individual, they're going to help you maintain your family, maintain your, uh, um, your legacy, maintain your reputation, right? Without being full of shame. And so that's the primary thing that when you look at this, when you look at this Psalm, that's kind of what they're looking or, or, or how you should kind of look at it. But that does not mean, you know, that your children cannot be sent to, to go forward and go do things by all means. I think when you, when your children are exposed to spiritual warfare and older ages and they are properly equipped and properly trained, then by all means, they should, they should counter that. But if they are not properly equipped or not properly trained, then we need to make sure that as men, as husbands, as leaders of our families, that we are doing that for them. Um, that way we can show them what it is. But all of this is couched in, in the covenant of marriage because that's how God designed it. And so I think when you, when you start to erode the, the foundation of marriage and how important it is in God's design, and when you start to look at the different ways that the enemy is going after marriage and the family and after children, like you're seeing it lived out right now. I, I, I go back, you know, several hundred years back to the 1730s and 1740s. Jonathan Edwards was a pastor. He was critical during the great awakening time of the United States. And when I think about him, he was a pastor. He was, he married his wife, Sarah. They had 11 children. 
And in 1900, there was a study that was done about 1400 of his descendants. 100 of them were lawyers and one was the dean of a law school. 80 of them were holders of public office. 66 of them were doctors. One was the dean of a medical school. 65 of them were professors of colleges and universities. 30 of them were judges. 13 were college presidents. Three were mayors of large cities. Three became U.S. senators. One was the controller of the U.S. Treasury. And one was the vice president of the United States. Look, this is not like, it's not rocket science. When you preserve marriage and when you look and and advocate for marriage as the way that God designed it, this is the kind of legacy that you can look forward to. It might not be exactly the same, but you're looking at 1,400 descendants from this married couple from the 1730s and the 1740s. The study was in 1900, so 160 years later. So if you're listening to this listener and you're saying, oh man, you know this, this doesn't apply to me. Heck yeah, it does. Because if, like, when you look at the construct of marriage and the things that you were able to do and the way that God blesses you in marriage, 160 years later, what's your legacy going to look like? 300 years later, what's your legacy going to look like? Are, are people going to look back and be like, yeah, he couldn't even, couldn't even acknowledge his own grandchild? Or is it going to be like, look at all of these accolades that these other people have done because they were faithful to God? And so that's the challenge. I, it's so like, there's so much that is going on in my head right now, and I don't want to get like too much on a platform, but I think it's so important for us just to say, look, spiritual warfare is happening and it is ugly and we need to sh- like show the darkness, right? Like, like let's shine the light into the darkness and let's expose it and let's take that out of the enemy's corner and let's give it up to God. We have to continue to defend marriage. We have to advocate for it. 40, like 40 year olds, 25% of them never been married. Man, that's a foul. We, we have to do better than this. That's, that's what I'm saying. If we think that this is something that hasn't been going out throughout time, let's not get too chest puffy or anything else like that. The enemy has been attacking God's plan since the garden of Eden. When he lied to Eve and Eve took of the fruit. And when Adam knew what he should not do, did, because he lacked being who God called him to be. Marriage is under attack. The enemy wants to obliterate marriages. Not divorce, he wants to destroy. He doesn't even want the inkling of hope that it'll be reunited of, of repentance or of finding God at the center of the marriage or anything like that. He wants to literally destroy man and woman and for what they've taken away from him being cast out of heaven. Pride, anger, hate, murder, all of the above. So we're in a society right now that is gender confused, that is lacking manhood in the sense of doing what God calls each and every one of us to do. And from that standpoint of, we can't even define what marriage is, biblical marriage. Now, we have an enemy that tries to sit there and say, well, can't we all just get along? Yet is stabbing everyone from behind. And so we need to be able to critically discern good from evil. And anything outside of the covenant of marriage between one man and one woman is opposed to God's will. Check me on that biblically, period. So back to our original 
question of 40 year olds and the Pew Research and all that. We'll put that online with the show notes. But as we look at this, listeners, I, I am a little bit dismayed, you know, from the sense of uh, generation, you know, Gen X or Gen Z or whatever. I'm, I'm a little bit more hopeful talking to my 19, you know, year old son and, and 20 year olds that he hangs around with and the Asbury crowd and all that is. Um, the promiscuousness is not once what it used to be. And you're finding people that are looking to get more involved in relationship and, and knowing what God's will in their life. So I, I'm not hopeless. I'm hopeful in that generation. It, it's the parents that have brought up the 30 and 40 year olds of entitlement. And, you know, so if you're a grandparent, if you're if you're that 50 year old, that 60 year old, you know, it's time to have a coming to faith, coming to Jesus moment and talking about what God's truth is, what his plan is. And so this isn't to shame. This isn't to put down or make you feel less. I want to celebrate marriage. I, I, I can tell you, I understand God's plan. It makes complete sense to me. So if your heart's desire again is to be married, share that with God. Ask him to to bring you to that spouse, you know, but before you do that, ask him to reveal in you what needs to be changed, what needs to be repented of, what needs to be kicked out of your lifestyle if it's not purity or if it's just pride or if it's selfishness or all that, that would make you desirable to God's spouse that he has in, in store for you. And so, you know, a lot of times I see people that are frustrated, but, you know, I still see them living at home with their mom and dad. Uh, I see them in, in a no place job that is frustrating and all that. You know, these are little things that, you know, a, a spouse would look for. You know, is, is this person going to love me? Is he going to be financially able to take care of myself and my family? And, you know, God's plan is... Uh, not to have parents working dual income and all that, but if we do, and the society that we created, great. But what is what is making you attractive to that other spouse? Is he a godly man? Is she a godly woman? Or has she been promiscuous? Has he been promiscuous? How many partners have they had? Do I have to worry about sexually transmitted diseases? This is the culture by which we bred because of the God, small g, of self that has permeated through the last several uh, decades. And so we need as a nation to repent. We need to sit there and say, what is God's plan? And, and how, do we, how do we bring that to be? And we, we need to be a nation that prays for revival. I mean, if anything, what gives me the most hope today, Dave, for our 40 year olds, our 30 year olds, or 20 year olds that desire to seek the covenant of marriage, you know, between a man and a woman, is that what better time than to talk about God's love God's purity, God's truth in such a broken time in society as this when we can't even answer a question of what is a woman. And so with all that, I'm not hopeless. I'm hopeful. And I, I just, you know, as we look at some of these searches, as we look at some of these Pew studies and uh, Pew researches and all that, I just want to encourage our listeners of, are, are, you, are you tired of trying to do it your own way? Are you trying to put your yourself first and, and you on the throne? Or are we willing to get off, put God where he belongs in his rightful place and say, we want to do this not by our will, but your will. What is your will for my life? What do you say, Dave? Yeah. And, and one more thing before we close this out. This is not Dante or Dave uh, pointing at the speck in somebody's eye. 
because the church is not immune to any of this. I mean, Christians are not immune to any of this. It's it's not like we're all sitting here all high and mighty because the church still contends with divorce. The church still contends with adultery. The church still contends with uh, um, porneia. The church still contends cohabitation, with everything. cohabitation, like all of these things. And so this is this is not the church looking out into the into the world and saying, "Oh, you know, y'all are going to hell." No, that's that's not it at all. We need to address the issues within the walls of the Big C Church as well. Right? Mm. This is like this is a this is a thing that needs to be talked about and needs to be advocated for. Um, man, there's there's so many different ways that we could take this, but I think we'll just land this airplane uh, right here. Um, I like Dante what you said. Ultimately, like where is our hope? And our hope is in Jesus, like what Jesus did for us on the cross when he died for us and he took those sins from us. And then he, and he was dead. And then three days later, he rose up from the grave as, as Peter writes, that provides us our living hope because he is alive and he is in heaven. He is sitting with God and he is interceding for us. And so whatever sins that we are working through, whatever things that we are struggling with, his blood has already covered it. And so we just need to rest in that. We're going to encounter issues like this until he comes. That's just the, that's just the nature of the beast right now. But the best thing that we can do is we can continue to point people towards the narrow path instead of shoving them onto the super highway towards destruction. And so with that, listeners, we just we hope you enjoy this conversation. Um, leave a rating or review wherever you listen to us share it with a friend. Um, we're continually grateful to uh, continue to have this ministry and to be able to, to talk to you all about these topics and, and whatever else comes to our mind. And as we always say, God bless. God bless. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Legacy Dads Podcast with Dave and Dante, real men, authentic faith. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit LegacyDads.org and on Facebook.com slash LegacyDads and on Twitter at Legacy underscore Dad. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe and we'll catch you next time on the Legacy Dads Podcast, real men, authentic faith.